Welcome to the Buddhist Recovery Network podcast. Before we begin, I would like to remind you of the Buddhist Recovery Summit from December 3rd to 5th. For more information, please visit our website at BuddhistRecovery.org. Also, our next Academy speaker will be Vimala Sara, President of the Buddhist Recovery Network, on November 7th. For today's podcast, we have a talk about the newness of life. The Venerable Panavati, a former Christian pastor, is co-founder and co-abbot of Embracing Simplicity Hermitage and Meditation Center, co-director of Heartwood Refuge, and president of the Treasure Human Life Foundation. A black female Buddhist monk ordained in the Theravada, Chan, and Mahayana traditions with Vajrayana empowerments and transmission from Roshi Bernie Glassman of Zen Peacemakers, she is both contemplative and empowered for compassionate service. The Venerable Panavati is also a current disciple of Zashi Joma. Please enjoy. Life is an addiction. Actually, life is a prison. You know, and we have to figure out how, uh, what our particular prison is. Um, you know, addiction is more than just addiction to things. It's addiction to habits. It's addiction to uh, views. It's addiction addictions to uh, ways of being. It's so many things. And so start with that, which is the most uh, prevalent for you, which is causing you the most suffering, and that is the mind, the states of mind that you cultivate minute by minute. But when the Buddha used to gather his disciples, they came for uh, teaching and instruction in the path. And then he said, now you all go, don't, and, you know, go sit at the root of a tree or whatever, and, and you uh, contemplate this and uh, figure out how to put it into your, your daily your your daily life. Uh, so I like it when we come together for a time of uh, instruction in Dhamma, and that and that that should inform our uh, our meditation practice, um, whichever practice you're doing it. And we've been given many different practices suitable for uh, finding the one that's suitable for our own uh, personality, our own temperament uh, is uh, can be extremely extremely important. This is uh, my version today of um, entering into the newness of life. You know, I think that listening to Dharma is extremely, extremely important. I think it's even more important than um, how much uh, uh, meditation we actually engage in, because the object is for our total life to become a, a meditation, whether we're sitting, standing, laying down, or walking. And uh, cultivating the uh, pure qualities that allow us to be in a kind of effortless space so that we are efforting, but it's an effortless kind of efforting, one that doesn't require so much that uh, we be in an intellectual spot, uh, position, but that we're full frontal uh able to, not just willing to, some of us are willing to, but we're not able to engage in uh, fully in life. And so uh, when we think about renunciation, it's not always in the way that we think of renouncing uh, life. It is more about seeing the uh, uh, that the ignorance is not bliss. 
And when we can really see that, we can allow whatever's there to be there because our great aspiration is to have the wisdom, how to be in it so that this moment uh, that is occurring can be the setup for uh, something more profitable in the future. And if we understand that, that our uh, the action and the result are moving concurrently, you know, then we become more circumspect in how we live and move and have our being because we know that actually the future is being created right now. So what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, you know, the fruit of that, the harvest of that is going on right now while I'm doing that thing, speaking that thing or saying that thing. It's going to show up later, but right now it's being uh, birthed, birthed and to an equal extent uh, to which that karma is unfolding in my life. And knowing this um, will help us. Uh, if you speak of uh, being in the uh, present moment, actually, when we think about it, um, the present moment is sort of like always the past showing up right now. So if I want the future to be different, I have to be doing something right now because that's what's going to show up uh, in, the, in the future, the repercussions of that. So when I think of a newness of life, I'm thinking about how to not be Panyawadi every day, the same Panyawadi I was this morning and was yesterday and last month and last year and 10 years ago. And, and I've come to the conclusion that uh, I don't know how therapists describe this. Uh, we, we're talking about uh, dropping the ego or getting out of the ego. And because I'm not in that profession, I won't I'll try to define ego. But what I think of is more like uh memory that whatever I'm clutching to holding to about quote myself is really a memory about something that is stored here in this uh, uh like the way my master calls it in this stinky skin bag <laughs> and so there I have uh the these memories stored in this uh skin computer and whenever something different than what I have stored comes up in my life, I default to what, what the programming says. I default to what's already in the computer. Uh, the thing is that I just impute that upon myself and I call that I and I call that me and the things relating to that, I call that mine, you know? And so it's just a faulty view, a faulty vision, a faulty appearance. It's something like if you take this glass of water right here, well, I have a few pieces of ice in it, but just pretend I don't. That's just a clear glass of water. And if um, I used to, um, and, and some of you who listen to me frequently, you know, I, I, I love repetition because that's how things drop in to us and how we really come to some conclusion about things is uh, most of what we hear uh, just, you know, we might pick up 5% of it, but so it takes hearing and hearing and, and, uh, and hearing, but it's very difficult for the mind to wrap around the notion of, of, uh, emptiness or, uh, or an illusion 
or not self, like, like if I'm not me, then who am I? And if you're not you, who am I talking to? You know, and I mean, like your mind will just go all day with that no matter. And then you'll just learn the pithy things to say and be very still in your meditation. And they're like, wow, she just dropped right into emptiness. And you say, yes, I did. <laughs> and so we, uh, we start um, uh, buying in to the illusion of, understanding um, emptiness and no self or non-self or however you want to get with that part. So there's a suitor when uh, one of the Buddhist disciples was talking about this and um, uh, he sent for him and said, is it true that you go around telling everybody that I said that there's no self? He said, yes, yes, you, you gave that teaching. He said, when did I ever give that teaching? You know, and um, and he tried to repeat what the Buddha said, but because he didn't understand, he was just repeating something that he didn't understand. You know, it didn't come out in in the right way. And he said, "I never taught such a thing." Oh, of course, he actually did, but without the whole council, we don't get the right picture or the right story or the right way of 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 looking. And so there's this mind that just rejects all that kind of all that kind of talk, although as senior practitioners, we repeat that kind of talk. And so um, I like to use this analogy of the glass of water. The glass is clear. If the ice wasn't in here, I could just look all through this. I could see everything on the other side of this. And the water then would just be sort of a, a, a space holder. Uh, and yet you would not stop at the space holder. There's nothing there. You're just looking clear through. Are you with me? Okay, but now if you put a little bit of red dye, which I don't have any Kool-Aid, but a little red dye in this glass and you stir it up, now, now the water will be red and you will see all of that red. Now you can clearly see the water um, because it's been dyed, dyed red. And we mistakenly take the red dye in the, in the crystal clear water as as ourselves and so it, it's very helpful in that kind of way to understand that it is not nothing because that would be nihilism he said i don't teach that it is not nothing but it's not the something we think it is and that we cleave to so we create uh an erroneous um uh, uh appearance in the mental continuum and we appear to be um uh an individual person. But now uh, Amway used to make this project, uh, a product called Renews, Renews It. And that's how I would get a lot of, when I was in those days, in those ways, I would get a lot of, of uh, uh, distributors signed up onto me because I would always use that. Put the red dye in, now it's red, right? Put a little bit of Renews and stirs it up and it would actually eat red dye and the water water would turn clear again like oh my goodness you gotta have this for your clothes okay and that's and but that's what the dharma is is like the dharma is like uh neutralizing that red dye that obscures our vision and our uh, interconnectedness to everything and um it, it neutralizes and eats that up and then there is still the very uh spaciousness uh, but with a certain emptiness that is not relying upon memory to tell it what it is or to tell 
me who I am. And so we become free then to be in the world, but yet not of the world because we've removed the red dye number two. Uh, so I'd like for us to kind of think in, in those, those term, terms, you know, listening to the Dharma then becomes a reward for us uh, because it's a, it's a reward for the merit that we've accumulated. And as we begin to uh, hear the Dharma, looking through the clear lens in this way, um, the Dharma can sink into us in such a way that every day becomes a new day and we're not stymied by our old ideas, our opinions, our views of who we are, what we have done, our labels that we, uh, that we assign to ourselves and even the labels that we assign to other people. And that's where the real freedom uh, begins in our life. So when we talk about this kind of emptiness being the end of the game, it's the end of the game and it's the beginning of the game. And how long that game runs depends on how how quickly you can connect you can connect those those dots. So sometimes we can sit around and you know in meditation for 10 years and 20 years and never be able to connect the dots because we haven't found out how to deal with this yet how we, where we place ourselves in um, concerning ourselves uh, in life. Uh, so we're always trying to uproot the notion of a self, or we're always trying to give up something. Um, and it's really just a matter of putting the teaspoon of Dharma into the mind and the Dharma neutralizes and eats that up. Then when one sits on the cushion, one's mind is free, one's mind is unencumbered, uh, and there is uh, there is clarity, great clarity, instead of, uh, instead of stupor, instead of sloth and toper, instead of restlessness, instead of, you know, um, all of the things that hinder us because we still have the red dye floating around, you know, in our glass, in our in our skin bag. <laughs> so there's something that um, a a a good uh, dharma talk, a good lecture can uh, accomplish that even decades of practice, you know, can can cannot accomplish, and uh, because un till we deal with our moment by moment thinking, speaking, and acting, uh, or doing our action, our deeds, we are gonna be uh, stymied by the, um, the fruit that they bring into our lives. And so it's really around our three commas of thought, speech, and, and action um, is where the, the um, the possibility for us to think like a Buddha, speak like a Buddha, act like a Buddha, then one is a Buddha. You know, if you uh, read Buddhist uh, teachings, I mean, that's not the same thing as having the mind of a Buddha. And so there are things that we should do um, uh, so that at the end, our, our benefits and our effects are not, are not meager. 
Uh, and that's what brings a joy in the practice when moment by moment I'm engaging I'm engaging with the Dhamma from an internal perspective. First of all, it it it, uh, it brings me into the now. I don't. I, it doesn't make me think about what I've done, what I've said to other people, the the mistakes that I've made in my life, who I used to be. Uh, it 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 has a way of balancing all of that. So one can be right here in the moment with their great aspiration for now. Uh, and one can clearly see what is being accomplished, what is being uh, said, the way our mind is, is moving. And we can know how to encourage ourselves in living the, the uh, holy life, or as the Buddha called it, the path leading upward. And the more that we can focus in that way, the more we uproot not just habitual tendencies, but the more we uproot the notion of ourselves being those things uh, that we were in the past. And so somebody comes, oh, yeah, like I know them, you know, and they're like this or they're like that, you know, and but what does that mean to you when you know yourself it's only when you don't know yourself that those things can uh can mess with your mind that can can uh that can hurt you that can um that can bring you down that can stop you that make you go uh in in reverse and so it's very important for us to know how to just be right there present with our own thoughts speech and action moment by moment even more important than when we carve out a time. I'm not saying it's not important. It is very important. But when we carve out a time to to sit, you know, that's um, that's a conscious activity. But when we're constantly evaluating our actions moment by moment, then we're doing something a little bit different. Because otherwise, if we don't, we don't get to know ourselves. We don't get to see our faults. And I tell you, when your faults start getting pointed out, it doesn't feel so good. But if you're just used to a steady diet of looking and seeing, you know, uh, my, uh, seeing your faults, and like, oh, I see that. You know, you can just take a little eraser and erase that little spot. Oh, I see that. And you just take a little eraser and erase that spot. Uh, I, um, uh, uh, we have a, a store in the mall in the last three weeks. It's been burglarized three times. So I woke up yesterday thinking like, you know, I'm not feeling this today. Um, and I think I might do something different, you know, but it's the first time, the first time it didn't bother me. You know, the second time, the second week was like, okay, how often does this happen two weeks in a row? But third time, like, you know, if I have something they want, I'm going to sell it tomorrow so it won't be here much longer. And that's how I feel. Like I'll just sell everything in the store in a fire sale and I'll be done with it. You know, so we can choose to to walk through something or we can uh, choose uh, uh, the path of uh, least resistance and um, and take not the the easy way out. I'm not talking about the easy way, but taking the way out that's most beneficial for your over for your overall goal. You know, I said there are many things that that we can offer the community, and I and I love it. I love it. I love the store. When we first opened, people were so depressed. They were so angry. They were so everything. You know, and we're pretty much insulated in our monastery. But they would come in, and they, when they first came, it was like. Uh, why y'all wear those funny clothes? And uh, and 
who are you and you've been here how long and you know but in uh, just a few a few weeks you know they become they come, the same people come in the store four times a day you know and sometimes they buy something sometimes they just come and talk and it's so wonderful you know and i could see well well yes it was benefiting you know the monastery and i didn't want to do a thrift shop you know, but more than that was benefiting the community. And we saw that that's our practice. Doesn't matter whether I'm giving a Dharma talk, you know, or whether I'm, I'm uh, you know, digging up weeds or or whether um, I'm in the store serving the patrons. It's all the same. It's all the same. When one sees it as all the same, that's how, why, how we see things is uh, so important. So I said, so for this moment, this is my Dharma, this is my way of, of serving my community. And it became a delightful, delightful experience. So when we have to make changes in our life, speaking of this newness, we should always be uh, willing to uh, not forget the path, but not let the past, not forget the past, but not let the past and overly influence the present and more than the present, what is what is coming that I may not even know. You know, I may not even know what's coming, but when my ego jumps up and says, no, you're like this, no, you like this, no, you embrace this, then uh, we lose the opportunity to walk each day you know, being open and receptive to that which we don't know yet, to that which we have not uh, stepped into, to uh, a new a new realization, a new way of understanding things, something that, that adds more meat or more substance to how we have understood something in the past. And then suddenly there is this uh, 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 awakening that that comes and you see something that you saw two-dimensionally, you see it three-dimensionally, and some see it four-dimensionally and some five-dimensionally. You know, it, it gets breadth, height, depth, volume, and, and it stops just being words on a paper or something that we're intellectually assenting to or something that, um, that we study or something that we do, and it becomes what we are. And that's when the walk, the path starts to get so wonderful. So we have to be careful about naming ourselves and careful, you know, even in uh, owning um, our afflictions beyond seeing them and, and having the great aspiration to uh, process and walk in a way that those afflictions are diminished. Uh, and one of the best practices for that, I know nobody likes it, but it's overlooking a slight and tolerating a fault. Um, and it's a hard practice, hard practice. But I'll tell you, after a while, you can get so good at it, you know, that that these things no longer bother you. And there goes the anger. You know, the root of anger is pulled is pulled out. Um, the the root of of guilt is is re released, the sense of shame falls away. You know, yes, I was that, but I'm not that anymore. Yes, I did do that, I do, don't do that anymore. Uh, and one knows for themselves that that's true because they're constantly checking, you know? They're thinking, you know, uh, the, uh, they're causing unarisen uh, wholesome states to rise by what, how they choose to think about things 
Um, they are uh, subduing un, uh, uh, unwholesome mental states. The minute that they recognize they're on, on the periphery of coming, you know, uh, I, you start to know when you're going into a, a, a bad state. You start to feel it coming up. It, it's very seldom that something just happens. You know, like when people say, oh, that just slipped out of my mouth. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> For the most part, we really did mean to say that, you know, because um, the feeling comes with it, you know, one, one, uh, the, the rising up of a self that doesn't like this and getting about to deal with it in a minute, you know, uh, and then we reach a, a point of no return. But if we're constantly reflecting on what on our uh, on our three commas, throughout the day, you know, after all, it gets to be an all the time thing. And we become better equipped uh, to like know ourselves, decide what we want to uh, change, what we want to do differently. And we develop a little bit more resolve around it. And with that comes a little bit more success around it. And even if people don't notice the success, it's important for me to notice my success. He said, yes, look at the things you need to work on. He says, also recognize the things that you have accomplished. And so you find that middle way just by the willingness to be um, truthful and to be vulnerable to the, to the Dharma's influence in your life. And so we open ourselves up to hear new things, to try new things, to uh, be present in new ways, to allow things that we don't know to come into our life. And he says that when these things come, he says, this is what you, this is what you do. First of all, you listen. He says, then you contemplate whether that has any merit or any value for you. And then when you find that it does, then he says, then uh, put that into your experience and see how you can walk it out. And then when you've done that, now you put it up against what you already knew in the past and figure out how to integrate those two. And if you didn't find that it was any value in your life, then maybe uh, that should be uh, tossed out or at least set aside from now. Maybe you can visit that a little later in the future and it will be the right, the, it'll be the right time for it. But generally when something comes, we automatically reject if it buffets up against, you know, how we already think uh, in the world, what our views are, and how we how we hold ourselves. So one of the the, the greatest challenges for people who are um, uh, uh, recovering from anything like I have uh, I have uh, an eating addiction. I have diabetes. Bad. And I will, I have a piece of chocolate cake waiting for me at home right now, you know, and I, uh, and when I, I can't say I can't wait till I get to it, because while it's not here in front of me and I can't eat it, I'm saying, oh, honey, why do you don't need that? But when I get there to the kitchen and that cake is right there, all of that is probably going to go out the window for me. And my excuse is I'll go ahead and eat this and I'll take extra insulin, you know? And so, so. I understand what it's like, even for something that could absolutely kill you. And yet there is there is that which is drawing. Uh, and so it is a challenge sometimes for us. And so I have to recount when I do um, restrain myself. 
uh, or think about how I could do something that prevents me from being in that situation is hard when people are always going by your hermitage and dropping off stuff. I said, don't bring me anything. I'm fasting this week. Okay. And then I get home and there's four or five plates there, you know, where people have bought me, uh, bought me food. I'm seeing like, see, it's their fault, you know? And, uh, and so we find these ways of, of falling back into our, uh, habitual tendencies based on the memory we have that that's who I am, that's what I like. And and if we can get in the habit, like from talking to you all today, you know, some action is required on my part about that piece of chocolate cake that's on my counter waiting for me to get home, right? So what I'm going to do first, I was thinking, okay, I'll put it in the freezer and I'll save it for a day that I want to reward myself, you know? Uh, then then uh, what is it? Uh, waste not, want not. <laughs> but since I've had this talk, some action is required on my part, right? So when I go home, I'm going to throw a piece of cake away. I'm going to do it as soon as I walk in the door so that it won't sit there on the counter and I decide in an hour, I'm just going to have one little bit. You know, so these are the ways you come up with something that you resolve to open yourself up to, you know, and then little by little trying to put those things um, in, uh, activate them in your life. And then when I do that, I'm going to feel really good when I get ready to go to bed because the sugar rises during the night while the carbs are doing their all night thing, you know, and I wake up and I'm 500 at, at six o'clock in the morning just for that, you know? So I'm considering, you know, what it's going to do. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It's six, it's 500 or 600 points, you know, but I don't feel that bad. I feel a little bit bad, but I don't feel that bad, you know? And so then I'm thinking, no, you do feel bad. You feel sluggish. You don't feel like getting up. You don't have the energy to do what you want to do to give yourself fully to the Dharma. Like, what's, what's that about, Paniwali? You know, so it's not just for me. Even when I can't do something for myself, then I start considering my vow that I make to be available to others. You know, so we find a reason to do that which is wholesome. We find a reason to help us. Uh, and uh, the thing is that every time we find a reason and do a little thing, you know, in time it becomes much. Um, I no longer say what I used to say two years ago, which is like, if, if I die soon from these diabetes, don't cry for me because it's nobody's fault but mine because I could have done something different. I used to say that all the time. That was my little uh, catchy, um, spiffy thing because I wasn't motivated enough to make the change. But see, now I am. So I'm not flipped with it like that, you know, and I, I speak right into it. I even put it out there to help me, you know, to tell somebody what I'm going to do. And then I, and I can set it into motion, you know, more easily in that way. Not just empty talk, you know, and then go home under the sly and eat my cake. No, but, but by constantly throughout the day, seeing if my thoughts, my speech, and my action line up with each other, and if that as a package lies, uh, lines up with my great aspiration. And so the Dharma inspires me to be truthful with myself uh, because I can hold myself with uh, not, not too gentle, you know, uh, 
not too harsh, not too gentle, just right. And so we have to find our own middle way, our own just right place. And once we find it and we keep hitting that just right, we can just keep moving it, you know, that just like a sliding ruler. And we can, until we totally accomplish our goal. And so uh, the only way that we enter into the newness of life is that we have our own determination, you know, to do that. We have to cultivate ourselves um, throughout the day, not just when we sit on the cushion or get together with the few Dharma friends that, that we connect with, but constantly connecting with ourselves um, until we develop a certain kind of, of mind, a certain uh, way of, of holding the, the moment, you know, um, just seeing the, the um, uh, impermanence of the moment. Uh, seeing the impermanence of the moment, we think a lot of times that that's just about knowing that, you know, something is arising, it's abiding, and it's departing. And you can tell me that about chocolate cake all day long if you want, but that will not help me one bit. But when I think about uh, just the uh, impermanence in a different kind of way, you know, one that deals with the totality of of life, it doesn't even start to be about the piece of cake, you know? So I put it into a, a bigger contextual frame framework. And when I do that, then I uh, begin to uh, assess for myself, you know, what I believe in, what I believe in as a human being, what I believe in as a, as a, uh, a uh, Buddhist cultivator. You know, I won't say a practitioner, you know, practice like that's not that's not the game. But uh, as a as a cultivator, what what things do I hold and firmly believe matter? And when I do that, then I can begin to develop a mind of of renunciation, a determination to leave behind, drop off those things that don't take me to my uh, goal all the way up to wanting to be off the cycle of birth and death. And then that allows me to establish then a true vow around what I want to do. And then every day I'm looking to see if I'm stepping into a living, that vow I made. I made that vow to myself. I didn't make it to you. You might benefit from a vow I make, but the vow I make, I make it to myself. And then I have some diligence about what I'm doing. I, uh, and I uh, then have something that I can concentrate on, that I can um, use to develop uh, an, uh, an awakening mind around. So there's a process uh, and a step-by-step step progression that we talk, that we take to changing any, any behavior um, or any uh, of the ways that we look at ourselves and think about ourselves uh, in the world. And then this way, every day becomes a new day, every day fresh, every day a different opportunity, you know, for uh, the, uh, uh, the good fortune of wisdom, you know, to be made manifest uh, in my life. Uh, and we don't try so hard to change. It's just that all things fall away and everything becomes new. So I'd like for us to take a few minutes
to just uh, settle down. I know I talked about a lot of things. You don't even have to remember, not, not uh, consciously, the things that I talk about. But just entering into the, the, um, the energy of the moment uh, that uh, uh, lets us know that we have a capacity no, we have a a a, a, capac a capacity for um, the uh, cultivation and the development and the deliberation uh, and the accomplishment of things in our life. The Dharma promises that you know promises that if you do these things, these things, uh, this will be the fruit of it. And so we have to ask ourselves if we really, if we really believe it. And if we can hold fast to that aspiration, and if we can find the right path or the right method to begin to step into it, just step by step. And if we can evaluate often where we are along uh, that trajectory, and, and not just, uh, you know, uh, being here, but recognizing that, that there is an end game. You know, I mean, like if you don't know where you're going, how will you know when you get there? You know, so not just being with whatever um, shows up, but recognizing that we can help some things show up by what we're willing to do right now in the present moment. And feeling some encouragement that the strength that it takes is available now. And that we have the wisdom innately, like the clear water in the glass to step into it if we allow um, the renews it of the Dharma to enter into our glass, clearing away the thought patterns that create troublesome defilements for us, knowing at the root of that there is this uh, pure essence waiting to be nurtured and brought forth. And reminding ourselves of this often, even in our darkest and most judgmental hour, how to step away from it based on what we hold to be true in our hearts. And that's all beings are essentially pure by nature, pure as in emptiness, pure as in shanyata, I too, 
am essentially pure by nature, pure as an emptiness, pure as enchanted So we have this uh, way of getting agitated with ourselves and with things based on memory and what we and our uh, ingrained responses. So when I heard about the third uh, burglary, I got to look like that on my face, like, you know, like this is just too much. I tired of it. And the minute I felt the tightening of the muscles, I remembered my vow to myself of how I will be in the world. And I changed it to a smile. And instantly it came to me, well, there's something else you can do, Panyawadi. And you could like replace the light bulbs that's all over the door on the exterior portico. You could install, I have cameras in the store, you know, but they come in with ski masks. You could install cameras around the corner of the building, right on the corner, because then you could perhaps pick up the tag because they go that way. Um, or you could they have to go that way to exit the store, or you could uh, pick up the tag number, or you could just pick up the vehicle that may give us more of an indication of of, of uh, who the culprits are, you know. But suddenly where one was feeling overcome, you know, by the weight of the vicissitudes, just a shift in the muscles in the face caused the mind to shift. And suddenly... It became the mind that is useful and resourceful for in this moment, for setting up the next moment. And if we're looking constantly throughout the day, we're gonna make a cajillion decisions or thoughts, uh, maybe not a cajillion action, but a lot of them. And we're gonna talk a lot. And if we stop and reflect, pretty soon, um, the uh, hindsight, you know, will produce foresight, will produce insight, and our lives will be successful. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information on the Buddhist Recovery Summit, December 3rd to 5th, please visit our website at BuddhistRecovery.org. Thank you. Hi, I'm Vimla Sara, President of the Buddhist Recovery Network. Our mission is to help promote the use of Buddhist teachings and practices to help people recover from the suffering caused by addictive and or compulsive behaviors. Our organization is a volunteer-run nonprofit which has expenses. We offer free monthly live teachings on the Academy free resources on our website and all our podcasts are free. 
We also organize a bi-yearly summit where many of us come together. We rely on the generosity of you, our listeners, and our interviewees in order to produce these offerings. We are asking you to donate to help with our expenses. Thank you. And to show our gratitude for your support, all Patreon supporters will receive access to special guided meditations. To unlock these, please offer your support by going to patreon.com forward slash Buddhist Recovery Network. Again, patreon.com forward slash Buddhist Recovery Network. Thank you so much for your generosity. May all beings be free from the roots and the causes of suffering. May all beings be at peace.